This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 322, recorded on Friday, May the 5th, 2017. Welcome to the program, everybody. I am happy to announce that we have our great friends from The Walking Dead cast joining us today, Jason and Karen. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thanks. Glad to be here. here. (laughs) Are you going to say everything in unison? Because that would be yes. (laughs) That would be excellent. (laughs) (laughs) One, two, three. Yes. (laughs) Oh, screwed it up already. (laughs) Well, they are here. You guys are here, of course, because we are doing our annual season wrap-up crossover. Of course, this time it's for season seven. And on the show today, we are going to do our number three, two, and one sort of talking points about season seven. So if you haven't listened to the first half yet, which is uh, six, five, and four, of course, head over to walkingdeadcast.com and listen to that as well. Um, Jason and I were, of course, on the Walking Deadcast to do that. So you need to listen to both halves, everybody. Um, so go, go, and, go and do that. And uh, you'll get the full picture of, of what we see for, or, or what we saw for season seven. Um, and later on in the show, we're going to do a little bit of Walking Dead news and, and remind everybody what we're watching for our Jeffrey Dean Morgan actor spotlight. But we'll get to that a little bit later. First, of course, is the rest of the countdown. So I think we should probably just uh, jump right in. And um, who wants to go first? Jason, Karen, with your number uh, three. Karen does. I think so too. Excellent. <laughs> so my number three is long live King Ezekiel. Mm. Carrie Payton is so fun to watch. He's amazing. Um, I love his King Ezekiel voice. And then when he's just talking as plain old Ezekiel talking to Carol, his voice changes even. I mean, he has a King Ezekiel voice. And then he has the (laughs) Ezekiel voice when he's talking to Carol. It's so great. He's like, he's a shining beacon of optimism and hope. And I love that. And I, you you know, you kind of need it in a show like this. So um, it, it's, Kind of, you know, I mean, I, I don't mean to go too overboard, but I just I just love him. And I love that he says that, you know, he embraces the contradiction of a way to deal with the bad is by going a little overboard on all the good. And um, and he has a tiger. So there's that. <laughs> and and he also he also has Carol's number. I mean, you know, you can't be us a BS sir. So a few minutes into meeting her, he kind of nails Carol being. Um, being a, uh, you know, she's kind of faking it. And and he loves her. And I'm thinking, you know what? You're a pretty good judge of character because I love her too. And he loves Morgan. <laughs> and he's just, he he's a good leader even. He's making it work. He's, you know, in my opinion, the kingdom is the best place so far. And he keeps them safe. He meets with the saviors outside of the kingdom um, in a separate place entirely. And he also has them training. So he doesn't just have them sitting around, you know, um, you know, eating, uh, what was that, cobbler all day. Well, maybe Jerry. 
but <laughs> he, he has some training. He, you actually see that they're all training, they're fit, they're ready to fight, but he keeps the fight away from them. So, um, yeah, I, I love King Ezekiel. He's, he's my favorite character right now. You know what I love, Karen? What? Is hearing you talk about King Ezekiel with such uh, <laughs> enthusiasm and passion because it's amazing. And I, I totally am on board with you. I, I really like him too. And, you know, he's another kind of, the whole idea of what he's doing, you know, sort of putting on this, this persona to be the leader mm -hmm. is, is a little bit strange, but I love it and it works so well. And I think it works so well is because we had that scene with Carol where he stripped it all away and he just went back to being, you know, sort of a regular guy and said, look, I do this because the people need a leader. They need someone to look up to. And it, it so works and it's so right. So I, he's, I've really grown to like him too, uh, on the show. He's one of my favorites. I, I'm on board too. I like uh, King Ezekiel. I like that it's a it's a theater piece for him. Yeah, like it's just it's a piece of theater that everybody is buying into. It's like, yeah, okay, we'll uh, we'll do this theatrical thing and and pretend we're a kingdom because you know if you if you're in the zombie apocalypse, what's the best thing you can do? Pretend. So you just make this uh, make believe life up, and uh, everybody's buying in, and it doesn't doesn't hurt that you have a tiger to uh, help you. <laughs> exactly. I love that he uh, he was a zookeeper and a community theater hobbyist or whatever. And he actually, though, now that he's taken on this role, does seem kingly. Mm -hmm. He's got this big bearing and he seems weighted down, but he kind of keeps that to himself. And he's, you know, inspiring to his people. And he really has to consider these uh, decisions. But you feel like you can trust him even when he doesn't agree with you and so yeah i i agree pretty much with everything you guys are saying I, I, there's also like a sparkle behind his eyes kari payton um and and you know i've done two panels with him now at walker stucker and he's one of my favorites right immediately he's just so much fun and probably my favorite moment was when i asked him what it was like to work with a cgi uh, tiger and he's like what are you talking about you know i raised this tiger since she was a cub fed her whole milk and you know now she's on a diet of of walkers only lean walkers uh, you don't want those fatty walkers and you know and then i was like oh i'm sorry i i, I was misinformed and he goes well you should do your research jason <laughs> <laughs> so that was super fun he is and he used he used his king ezekiel voice too which was great <laughs> yeah. yeah, I you can just tell that he's having so much fun playing that character and and I went up to his table in uh, at Walker Stalker London uh, because I wanted to meet him because he seems like such a great guy and I also wanted to meet him because he did the voice of Cyborg on Teen Titans Go this animated Teen Titans show and one of my daughters is obsessed with cyborg she loves that character that both my kids like the show but she is just so into it and so i went up to him and i got him to record a greeting into my phone for her for her birthday which is this friday and i haven't Ooh. sorry so not not today but next friday and i haven't played it for her yet but it's cyborg 
wishing her like happy birthday and doing a couple lines from the show oh, and i awesome. i can't wait to play it for her <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to can't wait to hear how that goes i'm going to film her reaction and everything it's going i hope i hope it's going to be amazing so kari payton is just a really nice dude and uh i hope ezekiel lasts for a long time on the show yay <laughs> yeah yay and anyone who loves ezekiel on the show i would suggest not reading the comic <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh that was karen jason you're up okay uh this is sort of the flip side of that i mean this season got kind of silly in a few different ways and even though it tickled me i i wasn't sure what to think i mean one thing that I've always I felt like what I like about Walking Dead is it's so grounded and I want it to be this show about how the real world would deal with zombies. And now we have Jadis and the scavengers who are these like Romulan weirdos with their funky language. And uh, as we've established, that kind of took me out of it. Uh, Ezekiel, I, I, I love the character. The King speak it's pretty crazy and he has a tiger which i mean part of my brain is like that is so cool and it looks so great and shiva jumping in was my favorite moment of the finale but on the other hand it's pretty far out to believe a guy would have that much control over a tiger suddenly the show is not so grounded anymore with with this kind of thing negan even got pretty sticky like felt like he came out of a comic a guy who dresses up like jesus and looks just like Jesus. I didn't dress up, but he looks like him. It's like, and, and is okay with everyone calling him Jesus. I mean, I love that character so much, but when you take a little step back, that's a little weird. And uh, I, I read Kirkman say that he wrote a lot of the stuff into the comic because, you know, the comic started well before the show, but when at this point in the comic, the show was on the air and he was sort of, subconsciously going I'm going to write stuff that would never make it into the show just so I can prove to myself that I'm not writing this comic for the show and then it all made it in (laughs) (laughs) and and there but you know when I thought about it I'm like ah these new characters are just a step more extreme than the characters of like Abraham and Eugene who seem a little comic booky and then even Michonne seemed pretty comic booky especially when she first came on so maybe it's not you know, it's just sort of a more extreme and you could even say Shane and Merle are, are the, the show has larger than life characters and it always has. And I feel like this is where fear of the walking dead actually differentiates itself. At least so far is they feel more like real people, like, like the world outside our window stormed by zombies. So maybe, maybe it's okay for walking dead to just go further in this comic book direction and have fear of the walking dead be the one that's more like the real world. I don't know. You know, I think, and it's it's not on my list, but uh, I feel like the show has has come closer to the comic book in recent, I don't know, episodes than it has for a while. And I think that's Scott Gimple. You know, he seems to really like to um, stick to the source material yeah. closer than Glenn Mazzara or um, Frank Darabont did. So that's fine. That's just what he likes to do, for better or for worse. Um but I also think that sometimes, and a lot of our listeners have talked about this over the over the months, but sometimes what works in the comic book 
doesn't work very well in a TV show. And that's why it's an adaptation. You're not just, you know, recreating the comic panels on, on TV. Um, so sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but you never really know, I feel like, at least I don't, what's going to work and what's not. Um, for some reason, the tiger, I thought, sort of actually worked reasonably well on the TV show, which I wouldn't have thought better going, than I going thought in. it would. Yeah. 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 Better than yeah. Deer. I mean, but I'm not even just talking about whether it follows the comic or not. I'm just right. talking about that comic booky feeling because Jadis and her people are a perfect example of that who weren't in the comic, but feel like they came out of a comic book. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, I don't yeah. know. I just, I mean, I, I kind of wish that they, or I think I prefer it when they stray a little bit more from the comic. Um, and that's just me. I feel like lately I've been able to sort of see what's coming more than I used to be able to for some reason. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I must admit, I don't like that feeling as much as when I really didn't know where things were going. So, um, I don't know. You're right. It, it can go either way. Some, some of the comic stuff works and some of it doesn't so well. I'd agree that some of the characters do seem a little over the top. Negan does absolutely seem over the top, and so did the scavengers. I, I it's their, their speech and the fact that they look, or at least Jadis looks like a Romulan, doesn't really uh, ground it in reality. And their scavenging uh, garbage dump yes. of a home yes. seems awfully organized when looked <laughs> upon from a, a high, from the up, up, up uh, in the background. <laughs> and, and it looks. Let's face it, they're asking for tetanus, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when they put a zombie with spikes on it. I right. mean, you're just asking for, you're asking mm -hmm. for trouble there. Right, exactly. I'm surprised more, more of them don't have a severe lockjaw yeah. at this point. That's what happened to <laughs> T-Dog, remember, when he was babbling to Dale? Mm. Cut himself on a sharp piece of junk. Oh, yeah. Right. Maybe, that, maybe that's why they talk funny is because they all have uh, tetanus. Tetanus. <laughs> Probably right. It affects right. the speech centers of their brain for some reason. Yeah. Right. It's some kind of weird post-apocalyptic uh, disease that uh, affects the the language centers of their brains. <laughs> so it's maybe a, a specialized version of the zombie virus. Uh, I think I would awesome. like that even more. That would make me accept it more if that was <laughs> what was going on. You won't. Right. You know what the problem is? Everybody says how Jadis looks like a Romulan, but. I'm not a Star Trek guy, so I've seen very little Star Trek in my life, and I never would have put the two together if uh, if everyone didn't keep telling me that she looks like Romulan. So, <laughs> think uh, think Spock with uh, lots of emotions. Yeah. yeah, they're basically like Vulcans, which means nothing to me. What you know I know who Spock is, though, right? I know who Spock is, yes, but I know it's weird. I've never been, I've never watched a Star Trek TV show. I've seen the movies like sparingly. So I'm, if you yeah. Google Romulan and you go to the images, the first image looks just like Jadis. <laughs> it's two two girls. <laughs> I can understand, Chris, that you don't know who Admiral Jirok is, but uh, Spock, <laughs> you should at least know. <laughs> well, all right, maybe I don't know how how all quickly right. does Jadis come up if you do. Google Romulan, I wonder. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see it on here. Let's Google her on the air. <laughs> <laughs> nothing like great podcasting. Uh, nothing like Googling on the podcast, yeah. Someone on the air. Uh, all right, Jason M, or Captain... No, wait a minute. Who are you? Super Captain Awesome, Professor Pants? Uh, Lord Captain Professor Awesome. Okay. It goes, uh, you know, official uh, <laughs> title, 
and then uh, your rank, and then your job, and then your name. Why didn't you use that at the top of the episode? I would have remembered that. Oh, damn it. That's a good idea. All right. <laughs> Let's retcon that back in, okay, shall we? Maybe. What's your number uh, three in the meantime? Number three. So I'm going to go back to uh, to a fanboy uh, thing, as much like uh, we talked about um, King Ezekiel. Uh and my fanboy crush is on uh, on Simon, and more specifically, Stephen Ogg, the actor <laughs> who plays Simon. Yeah. Uh, he's my new absolute hero, because uh, everything I've seen him in, he's been absolutely amazing. And he was Trevor in GTA Five. Uh, he was on an episode of Better Call Saul, which <laughs> he was awesome. Uh, and his character in Westworld and, and Simon. And the best thing about him is that he took five years off of acting to build a house. Oh my God. That's awesome. Like for himself? And he's from Calgary. So he's the Canadian connection. I Ah. choose to believe that Simon is Canadian. I like that. So um, (laughs) who was he in Westworld? He was one of the... uh, uh, Hosts. What are they called? The bandit. One of the hosts. Yeah. Okay. One of the banditos. In early episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think he'll be back in, uh, in, in Westworld. Yeah. And who was he in uh, Better Call Saul? I don't remember Better Call that. Saul, there was uh, an episode where um, Mike was hired to uh, work for this guy that was trying to sell some uh, some drugs. And there was three guys standing in a parking garage uh-huh. uh, in, the, in the first season. He was one of the guys in the parking garage. <laughs> and when Mike said uh, uh, he didn't have any guns, he brought a pimento sandwich. Uh, Stephen Ogg said, he didn't bring any guns. I've got three that I'll tell you about. And then Mike basically took him out with his pimento sandwich and took one of his guns. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was, it was awesome. I, I want to play, I, I got to play Grand Theft Auto five sometime. Cause that's his like standout character on there. Oh yeah. I've played it, loved it, loved the character. And, uh, I definitely want to go back and play it again. He's amazing. So, the, the character model, like he was modeled after Steven Ogg and everything looks like him. And it's the yeah. kind of game where he'll just show up randomly you know in a parking lot in his underwear and uh you don't even know how he got there but he's so fun to play i i highly recommend that game and i'm going to uh i will be very disappointed uh if and when simon dies off in the walking dead i would rather have daryl die than simon at this point that's how much of a fanboy i am for uh, Stephen ogg Wow. Well, I, I agree. I think Stephen Ogg has done a great job on the show. He's super entertaining to watch. He steals every scene he's in, really. And yeah. the stuff with him and um, Xander Berkeley was just, was pretty great. You know, yeah. it was, it was way more entertaining than um, the guy who they had as Negan's representative for the, the kingdom um, handoffs. But I mean, he was good too, but Stephen Ogg just, he brought such a, such a joy to the role. <laughs> and I really feel I like love, he, he loves I playing love, it. I uh, love Xander Berkeley too. He, yeah. uh, Gregory, he's such, I mean, I don't know what it is with me, but I just love watching petty people like Seinfeld was my favorite show for a long time. <laughs> and I think George Costanza was my favorite character. And Gregory is like a George Costanza. And he, especially that scene recently when he... Uh, well, no, I'll kill the zombie. And then when he got close, you could see the look on his face like, oh my God, this is what they look like close up because he'd never been that close to one before. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so fun to watch him work. It is. He's, he, I mean, Gregory, you, you sort of love to hate him. He, 
he's such yeah. a weaselly guy, right? But the way yeah. super weaselly, and the, but the way he interacts with Simon, depicted by Stephen Ogg, it it's great. It's so perfect, and yeah. I could watch. I could watch. They need to do a spinoff show, the Stephen Ogg show, because yeah, absolutely, I would love that. I think it would be <laughs> super fun. Yeah, uh, he could be a, a detective, like uh, just some kind of private eye in the post-apocalyptic <laughs> zombie world, uh, solving crimes with, uh, oh, let's go with uh, Josh McDermott. <laughs> a robot sideman <laughs> of some kind. Yeah. kind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's do. That'd be the perfect spinoff. All right. Well, um, my number three is the balance of characters throughout the, the full run of, of season seven and how I feel like... Maybe there's too many, or maybe they just need to to utilize them a little bit better. Better, um, because for the first time, maybe well, maybe not the first time, but I really, really felt in season seven the absence of certain characters for long stretches of time. And I did a little bit of research um, about how many episodes each of the characters appeared in. So do any of you guys want to take a guess at which character appeared in the most number of episodes in season seven and how many it was? Uh, I do want to guess. Okay. Let me, uh... I mean, I would say it was... Uh, Rick? I would, I, my first guess was going to be Negan, but I'm going to say maybe Eugene. It's, no. I'm going to go with Tara. None of those. It's not Tara. Oh, actually, I didn't check Tara. Is it Rick? <laughs> it's not Rick. Uh, according to the Walking Dead wiki, which is a site I reference a whole bunch, it's Rosita. And Rosita I was, was in- I was going to say that. Yeah. Oh. She, so Rosita was in 11 episodes out of 16, and she was the most. After Rosita, we have Rick, Daryl, and Michonne, and Negan, who were all in 10. Although Daryl, in one of them, he had no lines, so he was sort of only in nine. Hanging out, yeah. Yeah, and Negan had one where he had no lines and one where he was voice only. So in a way, that was only eight or nine. Um, then we get Sasha, Eugene, Jesus, and Dwight, who were in eight episodes each. So that's only 50% of the season. But there's still a few big ones that I haven't even got to yet. Carl was only in seven episodes. One of them, he had no lines. Maggie was in seven. Uh, Carol was in six. Morgan was in six. And Ezekiel was only in five. Mm. Wow. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Our, like our favorite <laughs> character was only in five episodes. But um, I just think, and, and I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not even sure where I'm going with this because it doesn't really factor in... Um, screen time it's just the number of episodes or the number of lines they had or their impact on the story but it still kind of makes me feel a bit funny to think that rick was in 10 episodes out of 16 and a character who we always thought was a major character like carl or maggie were in less than half of the episodes and is it a good thing is it a bad thing i don't know it's just kind of the story they're telling but for some reason throughout the season i kind of felt it i would be sitting there watching an episode or thinking about a podcast, doing the podcast and be like, man, we haven't seen Maggie in a long time. When, <laughs> when was the last time she had anything to do on the show? And it could have been four episodes ago because she was only in seven uh, of mm -hmm. the 16. So, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like to me, they're not doing an amazing job of kind of balancing this massive, yep. massive cast they have. Yeah. Well, that's yep. the thing is they have such a large cast and 
that means less focus. And I, and for the first time, I mean, I, I admire the show for having a large cast cause it feels kind of Epic, but the walking dead to me feels, especially with the way it started, it feels like the kind of show where it's better if you feel attached to the characters and it's hard to get attached when there are so many and yeah, you don't get to spend as much time with them. And there are a lot like, here's some of the characters we have Rick, Carl, Daryl, Carol, Michonne, Maggie, Morgan, Eugene, Rosita, and then Tarrant, Aaron, Eric, Enid, Father Gabriel, <laughs> and Tobin. Now we have Jesus, Dwight, Gregory, Simon, Ezekiel, Jadis, and secondary characters like Francine, Barbara, Kent, Bruce, Scott, Anna, Daniel, Arat, Laura, Gary, Gavin, Jared, Jerry, Diane, Alvaro, Cindy, Natanya, Rachel, Amber, Tanya, Frankie, Beatrice, Kathy, and <laughs> Negan. So there's a few. There's Tammy yeah. and Breon. And Shiva. Right. <laughs> and Shiva. And Shiva. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there there are a crap ton of, of characters. <laughs> and there's always going to be like the real background people that you just like uh, Tobin, who, who shows up yeah. once in a while. And I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, I, maybe there's a great story to tell with Tobin, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> but he did hook up with Carol. He, he did. That was pretty significant. He, he had his moment. <laughs> but see, the show... And, and you're right. You want to feel attached to these characters. But I think what the show has fallen into is leaving people way in the background for a long time, mm-hmm. then bringing them to the forefront. And to be honest, they're good at making you feel attached to that character within the confines of one episode. But I don't like that. I want I want it to be a long, slow sort of burn on on always being there with these characters. Right. And I don't know if it's because there's too many and I'm not suggesting that they need to kill them off or reduce the cast, but somehow find a way to just do it a little bit better and integrate everybody's storyline a little bit better. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that, I mean, uh, that was actually my, my next one uh, was going to be the pace and that kind of relates. It's um, the pace of the show with um, it feels slow even if it's not slow it feels slow if you're just concentrating on one group one group one group one group if you don't integrate them it 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 affects the pace of the show right and i think a show like um game of thrones which i i would argue has a pretty big cast too i mean i can't list off the characters and i i'll be honest i doubt you it's even as big as the walking dead cast but i never feel that way in game of thrones you know you always seem like you're getting a little bit of Cersei Lannister and what they're doing and Tyrion and Jon Snow. Sometimes they're not in every episode, but I I never feel like they've they've sort of swung away from them for long periods of time like The Walking Dead does. So. That happens in the books, but it doesn't but the show so far has avoided it mostly. Right. The show is structured differently. The way Game of Thrones is structured is they just progress a bunch of stories a little bit each episode and it's almost doesn't really function a, a lot of times as a self-contained episode. Some do, but a lot of them are just, okay, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, a show that's more like the walking dead where many episodes are. All right, let's tell Eugene's story of how he's doing in um, sanctuary are actually a little more artful in that way where you can have a theme for the episode or you can really focus in on somebody. So I understand 
the uh, impetus to do that. In fact, in The Walking Dead, they used to always focus on the group all the time. I think probably every episode in season one did, mm-hmm. and many, many in season two. But then um, in season three, we started getting episodes that were a little more uh, focused like this. And some of those were amazing, like uh, Clear, mm-hmm. you know, mm. and also the one with Morgan and uh, his mentor, uh What's his name? Uh, Eastman, the cheesemaker. Yeah. yeah. So I think a, an episode like that done really well is actually really good. But then it, it, even so, it does take away from that feeling of cohesiveness. So yeah. it's a pro and con kind of thing for me. Yeah, I know what you mean. But mm-hmm. when when I think back, though, season one was all about Rick and him connecting or finding the group and connecting with them. The group was much smaller, of course. Season two um they were on the farm but everybody was on the farm and there was no four other communities that we had to keep track of as well season three i guess we had uh, the prison and the introduction of woodbury but again we had our group all in one place and then we had woodbury as sort of the villain community all in one place and and they told those stories um concurrently and we've moved away from that kind of thing to now we have four or five communities and we're focusing more on more disjointed a little more disjointed and Mm -hmm. we're getting uh we're getting more i think we're getting more individual character episodes the eugene one the Tara one the daryl one um and probably others but yeah maybe there what do you you think about because even back in season two there was that episode where shane and rick went off on their little road trip with randall in the trunk yeah and 18 miles out. That was a great one, but maybe it's just the balance, you know, maybe we just need more group episodes, but not all group episodes. Right. That's kind of what did it really well with a big ensemble cast and being able to focus on a single, uh, smaller group of characters for each episode, even incorporating the the flashbacks and the, uh, the, the current timeline. Uh, they did a really good job of that. Whereas I think they're trying to do the same thing. Like we have a large cast, like especially in the later seasons of lost where they had a huge cast. So this one, this, uh, the walking dead has a huge cast, but I, I don't think that they're, they're quite doing it as well as lost did. And I hate to say it, but I think that's true. Yeah. They're just, they're just not doing it quite as well. I mean, I think there's a way to do it well. Um, but, but for whatever reason, the walking dead hasn't been able to sort of nail that yet. And, Maybe they will. Maybe they will in season eight and nine and 14 or whatever they get to. So, um, but I, I just felt it more in season seven than I had ever before. And it wasn't my favorite feeling in the world. So we'll see. Uh, Karen, was that your number two as well? It was. All right. So Jason, you are up with number two. Mine is sort of uh, related. I hope it's not repetitive, but the big criticism this season was that it was slow and plotting. And I wanted to just take a closer look at, especially the first half. So uh, the first few episodes, because I, I never really felt that way. So just quickly, episode by episode, the first episode I found amazing. It was hard to watch, but it was I wasn't bored or thinking it was slow at all. It was harsh and cruel and devastating. Then number two was the introduction to Ezekiel, which I thought was really fun and funny. And Carol reunited with Morgan and that was sweet. And we meet Shiva. So I thought that was a great episode. And so far, two episodes in, I didn't think it was slow at all. Then we get to three where Daryl's captured. We see the inside of the Savior's world. 
uh, Daryl is broken down and tormented. And, and I don't think we've ever really seen anything like that with his character. And Rita's was so good that, um, I thought that was a winner of an episode, even though I know a lot of people, um, missed all the other characters at that point. There was a scene at the end where Negan tries to get Daryl to say I'm Negan and he's crying. And then he says, uh, you think he's going to break like Rick did, but he says, Daryl, and it's like, yeah. So that was a f- good feel moment. Mm-hmm. Then number four, Negan comes to Alexandria and takes all their stuff or half their stuff. And this is our first really introduction into, okay, this is how this new situation is going to work with Negan in charge. And uh, so I thought that worked well. I think by this time people were tired of Negan, so it felt repetitive. But to me, it was just like showing what it's going to be like now that Rick has decided to go ahead and comply with, with Negan. And then number five actually did feel slower to me. That was the one where Maggie did her tractor thing, I think. And uh, Enid went off to Hilltop and roller skated with Carl and uh, you know, Carl (laughs) and Jesus stowed away at the savior truck at the end. That felt like a moving the pieces around the board a little bit to me. Then we had the Oceanside episode, which, I, as I said, I thought had the potential to be good, but it didn't, I don't know, it felt like a, a lesser quality for some reason. Maybe the characters were too thin or something, um, but I did totally enjoy Tara, seeing Tara be her snarky self around these women. Then in, in number seven, Carl went to try to kill Negan, and we see Carl and Negan interact which I thought was pretty fun to or not fun, but really fascinating to see. But I also can see at this point, it's like, okay, we know Nig is a bastard. I don't, I don't know. I could definitely see the argument where this episode didn't add anything and maybe they should have like tried to progress the plot by this point. So towards the end here, I'm kind of starting to be on board with that whole thing, I guess. Then the final episode uh, of, or number eight, was when Negan gutted Spencer for trying to betray Rick and buddy up to him and Rosita shot Lucille and uh, Olivia got killed. That was a pretty exciting and horrific episode. Daryl beat, I think, Fat Joseph to death. So the best part of that, though, was the very end where Rick decided to fight because it was like, oh, thank God. I think that maybe that half season could have been six episodes and maybe it would have seemed a lot better to people. I don't know. Yeah, but see, even they could have. To me, they've stretched this episode. On, I mean, this whole season on way too long. Like they could have compressed this entire season into six episodes. In my just opinion. hearing me talk about it makes you like go, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny though because I was about to say, Jason, just hearing you talk about it actually was like makes me think. Okay, so stuff did happen. You know, there were things going on, and the first four or five episodes you you know just you recapping them like this i'm like yeah okay you know what that all makes sense so it goes back to what i started this whole list with i think or no my my number uh five maybe was that i think if you just binged them and you could watch all those episodes in a row it wouldn't have felt like there was so much downtime or slowness Mm. or whatever right um maybe until the last couple um so 
it's just a I don't know it's just funny because thinking thinking about it now I'm like yeah okay stuff happened and it wasn't so bad <laughs> I feel like this would have been like in stark I mean it would have been right right there in your face you would have been like wow yeah. or and, yeah I guess it could have gone either either I way I feel like having Karen binge watch these I think she would rather sit in a cell and hear easy street for 48 hours straight <laughs> naked, naked while somebody tries to get me to, to uh, agree with them yeah that sounds like it would have been better oh man I miss easy street I'm gonna look that up <laughs> go buy it on a it's, it's not bad I to this yeah. day I still walk around sometimes with it it's stuck in my head because I heard it so much yeah <laughs> Um, anyways, I, I don't know. I just, maybe season seven, the first half would have been better binging. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I really, I, you know, but at this point, as much as I defend it, whether it was slow or not, I really don't want to see a war go on all season next season. I feel like, okay, we need faster paced storytelling now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's going to probably go on for eight episodes at least. <laughs> yeah. Really? And I'm okay with that. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's yeah. There's, there's. If we're lucky, it will only be eight. Wow. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, It'll be eight, eight episodes before the uh, the two sides actually meet in a clash, and then the last part of next season will be the actual clash. Oh my god. No. <laughs> wow. Gonna, you mean you're going Wait, you mean that what this uh next couple episodes are going to be is like they're getting ready to fight Negan? Is yeah. that what you're saying? So basically that- you're saying it's season 7. <laughs> yeah. Just a redo but on of season 7. On the bright side, every each episode is only going to be 90 minutes next season. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They might even go for uh, for a twenty four type style where it'll take place in real time. <laughs> real time, ninety minutes an episode. Um, hey, yeah, really quick, what did you guys think about all how many extra long episodes there were? I think I know what Karen feels about it. Yeah, but, <laughs> I think you could probably guess. Yeah, but like I felt like there were too many, and they they didn't need to yeah. be like you know sixty three minutes long or ninety minutes or whatever the hell they were. So, right. You guys agree? I think we, you know, I think too long is not always good, and we should just end this podcast right now. (laughs) Bye, everybody. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening. See you later. Don't get it. (laughs) For those of you still around, uh, Jason M. (laughs) Just kidding. You're up. (laughs) Lord Captain Awesome, go for it. Is that me now? Okay. So this one should be pretty, pretty short. And uh, after we, you know, Karen, you mentioned that the, uh, the zombies looked amazing in this episode or this, this season. Uh, I want to go on the other side of that and how crappy the CGI was in this particular season, (laughs) especially that friggin' deer. The deer. (laughs) So bad. So that's it. That's a particular species of deer found only in Georgia, the pixelated deer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Kind of a soft focus, uh, not motion, doesn't have any breathing or anything like that, just kind of stands there. Doesn't really barely even have legs. It's endangered, though. I mean, you could just blow on it and it just goes away. (laughs) Someone who's like a video genius, please take that scene and superimpose Bambi on that deer. I want to see that. Uh, Look on Twitter. uh, There's all kinds of stuff on Twitter. This is the one thing I did stumble across. Normally, I try and stay away from the internet as far as uh, The Walking Dead goes, (laughs) but uh, that deer 
was something that I did, uh, I couldn't stay away from on the internet. It was just <laughs> people superimposing uh, their own deer on top just to try and fix it. Listen, they were saving all their money for the tiger in the season finale yes. because she looked fantastic. That's Agreed. yeah. They yeah. they absolutely got their heads out of their asses for the uh, for the <laughs> finale on that for sure. And, and not just when Shiva was jumping on people eating their face off, but like when they were on their way there, walking down the street, and they ran into Morgan. She looked great walking amongst the crowd of people, which is probably even harder to do from a visual effects mm -hmm. standpoint. I think to just yeah. have her in the scene mm -hmm. like amongst a crowd, and yeah. so you know, I as bad as the deer was, the tiger was amazing. In the final episode, there was some uh, iffy shots of uh, Shiva in previous episodes that she didn't look great. Never as bad as that deer, though. No, no, that's true. <laughs> not even, not even as close. Uh, all right. So my number two is that I just want to talk a little bit more about uh, character, uh, character Carol Morgan, and a little bit Eugene because I feel like there was some um, character resolution in in season seven a bit uh and almost character reversals or changes a little bit when it comes to carol and morgan i'm really glad that i feel like both of their storylines or characters have kind of resolved themselves a little bit because both of them had been dragging along for to me what felt like kind of a long time you know both of them had interesting standpoints on violence and and how they approached it. And of course, Morgan didn't want to kill anybody for a long time. Carol just wanted to separate herself from everyone and be on her own. And I found their standpoints fascinating at times, but other times not so much. But overall, I think by the end of season seven, both of their characters have kind of resolved the paths that they'd been on. And I was really happy about this because it was wearing on me a little bit and I felt like Carol and Morgan were both kind of just dragging it on a little bit and not really like trying to take a stance, but, um, but where was it going? And, uh, I think now that Carol has, you know, really decided to, to join the fight was, was great. And Morgan almost went back into crazy town there, but you know, they pulled him back on the way in that scene I was just mentioning on the road and, I'm glad to see that both of those characters have kind of had their storylines resolved a little bit. At least I hope anyways, and that's what it seems like right now. So I like yeah. them both. And uh, it was kind of grating on me a bit. Some of the stuff they were, they were kind of going on and on about. Yeah. You know what happens to characters who have their storylines resolved? <laughs> they get shot in the face, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing with Morgan is his storyline is progressing by him kind of relapsing. So... I think that's a sign, at least I hope, that they feel like there's more, a lot more road ahead for him. Yeah, that, that's true. And uh, I would say I'm glad it's something, though. You know, he, he took yeah, a step back, yeah. which is, sure, which is yeah. great. Carol, it was interesting, yeah. It was interesting, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then for Eugene, uh, I, I really, really hope that he genuinely, 100% truly is on Team Negan and he's not just faking it because I like that idea that he's so weak and feels so powerless that he finds this opportunity that he thinks gives him the best um, chance to survive and he just goes with it you know and he's gonna live a relatively safe life here and <laughs> you know everything that came before be damned I'm gonna do this now I think that's more interesting almost in a way than than Eugene um, 
sort of faking it or trying to be the inside man, which which is kind of like I feel like what most shows would do, because it's hard to see your character who's on one side who you consider the good guys, you know, go over to the other side genuinely. So I kind of hope they've done that. But it's a big it's one of the first times I think we've had a big character reversal like this. I agree. I think uh, I think Eugene should be fully over to the dark side. I, I don't think we should uh, have him come back to the light until it's time for him to die, of course, <laughs> much like Darth Vader. And then he'll be redeemed and then he, he'll be shot and everything. Yeah. He will. Yep. I mean, he's he's over there because he's scared yep. and he thinks that that's the best way, even though, as Karen has said on our podcast, he doesn't like Negan. He doesn't, he doesn't, um, he doesn't admire Negan, but he just feels like this is how I can stay alive. And then the whole thing with uh, Sasha telling him, I forget what she said, but you know, what did she say? I expect you at some point to do the right thing or something. Yeah. I, 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 I still believe will. in you. I, yeah. I still have faith in you. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Like that. And so I feel like the predictable thing is that at some point, he'll be faced with a decision and he'll make the right choice. But yes. for now he's yep. solidly in camp coward. Right. But that's the predictable thing. He'll be faced with that choice and he will choose Rick. In, but I want him to choose Negan because I think that's way mm-hmm. more interesting. And, uh, um, and I just, I just want to see it done. It's almost, uh, it's almost unheard of <laughs> on movies and TV. He shows. already is right now doing going against, you know, he's not a hero right now. Right. Not everyone can so be a hero, right? And right, and absolutely him especially, I think. Right. So I, I'm totally, I totally agree with you. I've been saying it ever since uh, ne- uh, Eugene first appeared to be on Negan's side. I was everybody was like, "Oh, he's just faking it," and I'm like, "I hope not." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Karen, your number one, numero uno. My- Number one, uh, I kind of talked about um, sort of part of this before. Um, this was my very favorite thing about the entire ep- um, season, and that was, I got to say, the kingdom. And I already talked about the leader of the kingdom, King Ezekiel, um, but I want to talk about the kingdom just real fast. And, and I sort of mentioned it before, but it seems to be a really um, well-functioning society. And I, it's kind of what I think is possible and sort of what you want to, what you want to do in this, um, right now in this phase of the post zombie apocalypse, you need, you need a gated community for sure. And you need to be able to keep out the zombies and, and keep out the Negans. Um, but eventually maybe you can tear down the walls and you can open it up and, you know, when the zombies become less of a threat and when the Negans of the world become less of a threat. But for right now, you need a gated community. You need to grow your own food. And they're doing that. Instead of driving around in these magic cars that magically still have gasoline. Um, <laughs> and by the way, they just drive and drive. Nobody seems to conserve fuel either. They're like, let's just take three cars to go to the drop off. Really. Um, <laughs> So while they do have cars and they drive around in cars, they also use horses. And I think that that is a really smart thing to do. I also pointed out, by the way, that the heapsters um, used bicycles. And um, my master's thesis was actually on bicycle transportation and um, as a form of transportation. And um, in terms of calories expended per mile, you cannot beat bicycles. They're so smart. So I think you can out out cycle a zombie easily because they're slow and stupid. Um, and you can, and, and horses are great too. So, um, 
I love I love the kingdom and they train all the time. So they keep in shape. They keep they learn how to fight. They learn, um, you know, Aikido. Um, they seem to be a really terrific society. And also, oh, and they have minstrels that play Bob Dylan's Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, which was one of my favorite musical moments of the entire season. So, um, yeah, I just loved them. I, um, I thought that was a highlight of the entire season for me. Okay. First of all, I love the idea that you did your, what did you say, master's thesis on bicycle transportation? That's yeah. amazing. I love that. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I, lo- I love riding a bike and uh, it never occurred to me that anyone would do that. That's amazing. And second of all, I think I, I fully agree with you about, about the kingdom. The level of detail that they put into the kingdom, I think, was amazing. Like every shot there, stuff's happening in the background. Yeah. You know, there's... Yep. There's there's school kids being in class being taught. There's people training, like you said. There's food being grown, and in in interesting, unique ways too. You know, there's a scene where they've used a bunch of filing cabinets to fill with dirt and grow crops and filing cabinets. Right? It's, yes, which which is also adorable, and I fully intend to see on Etsy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but also, people like just washing clothes, and there seem to be this. Uh, little market they had there and stuff. So uh-huh. just the detail with the kingdom, I think was really well done and it made it feel alive. It made it feel a uh, big, you know, and uh, a safe place. And I think that's one of the things they did best in this season. The show runners is, is make the kingdom feel like a real place. Yep. Yeah. So very nice. I agree. I really like the kingdom as well. It's somewhere you'd want to live. Yeah. Oh, Totally. <laughs> In the zombie apocalypse or not, maybe. You know? <laughs> exactly. I said it was like Portland. Portland. <laughs> <Yeah. New> Portland. <laughs> yes, it is like Portland. All right. Jason Cabassi, number one. <clears throat> number one, this season for me had a lot of emotionally moving moments. Not just like, oh, but sometimes horrifying or uh, stirring up hate, <laughs> anxiety, uh, the good emotions too, nostalgia, love, laughter, triumph. So a few of those, of course, the first episode with Abraham and Glenn and especially Rick with Carl, uh, and chopping off the arm that it was just so, I was just like shaking practically. And then the aftermath with them all just kind of floored at what just happened. It was so such an emotional episode. Then uh, another one is when Daryl was in the pantry with Maggie after that. And, you know, he, he was ashamed at what he that he had caused Glenn's death and she forgave him and said it wasn't his fault. That was really moving to me. Uh, Daryl reuniting with Carol uh, when he first showed up at her doorstep. That was a touching moment when. Rosita yelled at Eugene and bullied her when he wouldn't make her a bullet and said, you're a coward and you're weak. And the only reason you're alive is because you lied and because people feel sorry for you. I felt really sorry for him in that moment. And I was just like, Oh, you know, and it just reminded me of times when I've argued with people and you just lash out and then you feel bad later. You know, it's just, it can be uh, really hard, hard to get through something like that. Yeah. Um, she kind of had a point, it turns out, with him. He did turn out to be a coward. Yeah, Maybe he did. that didn't help her treating him like that. 
Uh, were you going to say something, Chris? Oh, just that it it, it did. Um, maybe that's you're right. What sort of pushed him away or pushed him over the in edge a little bit? Yeah, in yeah. that direction. Yeah, I mean, my theory is if you tell somebody something enough, they'll believe it. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> uh, Rick and Michonne having that candlelit meal was a nice moment. Warm. Uh, Carol first meeting Shiva. That was one of my favorites <laughs> when she was kind of. <laughs> pretending to be thrilled to meet the king and then as soon as she goes outside are you shitting me with this to morgan <laughs> you know i love it when i get a, a genuine like laugh where i don't even realize i'm laughing until it's coming out that's that's the best yeah and then probably one of my favorite moments of the season as cheesy as it is is when shiva jumped in and took out one of negan's guys it just my heart leapt out of my chest practically <laughs> Yay. so that says something you know about this season that as as uneven as i felt it could be there were plenty of moments where i felt like genuinely moved one way or the other and that's um to me that's great tv that can do that agreed yeah, if I have sort of two sides to this. The mo the um the moment you talked about where Daryl apologizes to to Maggie when they're hiding in the basement there. I I I'm glad we got that, but I in a way I wanted to get a little more of it. I feel like it almost like it came at a moment of of tension sort of because the saviors were in the hilltop and they were searching for them and stuff and it felt like it was over before it began almost. I I I don't know. I for some reason I just wanted a little bit more between those two characters because for for Daryl at least I feel like it was a really big deal, you know. He did that um spontaneously and then got Glenn killed in a way, but there was like 2 seconds of sort of an apology and her saying no it's okay and I felt like we needed a little bit more. But then the on the other end of things, the most feel-good moment of the whole season for me was, of course, the the end of the mid-season finale when uh, Daryl and yeah. Rick and everybody reunited at I the hilltop. About that. Oh yes. my God, that's so like good. if you didn't feel amazing at that point and right. just have complete renewed hope and faith in that in that in that these characters that we've been following for seven years were gonna like get back to business and get some yes. shit done. And like I love and that. that that felt 10 times more amazing because of how long we had to suffer waiting for it. You're absolutely right. If it would have right. been in episode two, it would have have nearly the impact. You yeah. are a hundred percent right. You know, we had to suffer to feel the, feel the love at the end. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a couple of things about walking dead. I've been thinking about and didn't know where to put it. Do you mind if I mention it just real brief um, here? Sure, if you want, I got my number one, but okay. go for it. Oh, oh, oh! I why did I? Oh wait, you guys. Okay, I forgot the order. Never mind. I'm sorry. You guys go ahead. <laughs> All right, it's okay. I, I thought I was last for some reason. I'm sorry. It's just me. I think my my no, number it's one. me. Don't forget about me, Lord oh. Captain oh. Professor. Oh, awesome. sorry, Lord Captain Professor <laughs> Awesome. You, you Lord That's Captain correct. Professor Awesome. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. Okay, Lord Captain <laughs> Professor Awesome. You go, and then and then I'll go, and then Jason, you got some notes. That's good. Sorry right. about that. That, no problem. Okay, so this one, uh, I'm hoping that uh, you three can shout down. Uh, you can be my better angels and shout me down for this, but... Uh, <laughs> callback, man. So, uh -huh. what's that? Uh, better angels is a good callback. <laughs> <laughs> so, my question is, uh, is the show in its twilight, and is it, and should it be? 
Uh, I'm wondering if it's time to announce how many more seasons this is going to be and then kind of gear the story to wrap things up in that timeline. I know Lost did that. Actually, a bunch of shows have been doing that uh, instead of just being out and out canceled uh, that they announce, you know, we're going to do two more seasons of 16 episodes each and then uh, that'll be it. Is it time for us to do that? I kind of yes. think so. Yes. <laughs> and oh, come on. the problem the problem <laughs> is that um the way that Scott Gimple and the executives at AMC talk about this show is they they're not on that thinking that way at all. They want it to go on as long as they can. They talk about 20 years that it can be like a soap opera and um I I really think that's a mistake and I think that this show needs an arc as much as I still love it. Uh, I, 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 this is like tough love. It's like what I would do to make the show end in a way that we can all look back on it fondly because otherwise if they just make it go on as long as it can, that means that the way that it will end is because it's gotten so bad. No one wants to watch it anymore. Yes. (laughs) Right. And it's, so I agree with the concept, but is now the time for that? I'd say if they said three more seasons, I would be stoked at that because that would be a good long time. So we wouldn't feel the anxiety of losing it really soon, but it would also set that end date to work towards. Yep. Right. I think I can agree with that. You know, three more seasons would, would be okay, but just something would be, would be better than nothing, but it's. Well, it's, Scott Gimble said 20. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's Robert Kirkman as well, right? He said he, he right. wants the, the Walking Dead, the comic book, to go on for 30 years. It's his uh, livelihood. Yeah. Of course he does. Comics are different. You know, Superman's been around since the 40s. I feel like, I don't know why, but there's a different standard there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. And, and you know, I think, I think one of the AMC executives said at one point that even with an entirely, like a soap opera, with an entirely different cast, the show could continue on. You know, everybody we have right now could be dead and we have completely new people and the show is still going. And I, I don't think that's the only way that idea. that's possible is if it's Stephen Ogg is the only <laughs> character that, or the only actor that is still around, I would be watching the show. But look at how many other shows have replaced. Uh, you know, major characters and how the shows took a, a huge dive after that. It happened to Scrubs. It happened to um, X Files. That '70s show, uh, X Files. Uh, you know, replacing the cast. Sure, it's a great idea, but has it ever worked? No. Other than Law and Order, because Law and Order was the, the way it was structured. You could flip, flip characters. One of the after best. One of the best is when uh, when uh, Woody Harrelson replaced Coach on Cheers. Yeah, yeah. that's a good. <laughs> yeah. That was a good replacement. <laughs> that worked. Well, that's because Coach died in real life, right? In real life, the actor died, so right. they needed yeah. to do that. I mean, when when uh, uh, what's her name replaced uh, Diane, Rebecca, uh, you know that was uh, that kind of worked too. Uh, so maybe Cheers is the outlier. Could that be? <laughs> well, can I just interject also that this started out as a zombie show, right? At some point, they're gonna kill all the existing zombies and then just have humans humans when they die turn into zombies and you can kind of control that so at some point the whole premise for this the very essence of this show is going to be gone unlike a soap opera a soap opera is just about being humans and being alive uh, unlike a like any sort of other kind of comic book this story started because 
everybody's infected. We turn into these, whatever you want to call them, let's call them walkers. Um, and then at some point you manage to figure out how to deal with the walkers. And then that's, that's it, right? So that sort of maybe is uh, an argument for having an end to this arc because it's such a specific thing. It's a problem. Well, it's yeah. an infection. And eventually it's going to have an end. But that's, but there, how many people are in the world? Eight billion. I mean, I could see all the zombies dropping dead because they're ran out of energy, but they're never going to kill all of them. That, well, you know, that would be like saying you could go around and kill well, eight billion people. They're disintegrating. They're disintegrating yeah, okay. in front of That's our eyes. Different, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and um, they, uh, in another couple of seasons, they're just going to be mush. These big jello piles. Right. And the logo is going to be completely gone too. That <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh my god! Season. A show with no logo? You won't be able to read it at all. Like. When the logo's gone, I'd say the show has to yes. end. Yes. <laughs> the logo is disintegrating. Yeah, that's a telltale sign when you can no longer read the show title. You got to end it. So yeah. right. I, I actually think this is a possible ending for the show. Maybe it's not dramatic enough, but the zombies just die out. You know, they, they yes. disintegrate. Yes. And there's no more threat. And so everyone lives happily ever after and starts yeah. rebuilding society. I mean, you have <laughs> right. to be. And they just have new funeral, um, yes. you know, protocol habits or whatever. Protocol. Yeah. 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 And you, you give everybody a headshot when they die or whatever. Mm. And, and that's yep. how you handle it. Right. Well, I agree. I think that there should be an end in sight at this point. I mean, we're coming on to season eight and not a lot of shows go this long. Um, being the highest rated show on TV obviously helps from the, uh, I don't know, the executive side of things because they see dollar signs and they still see lots of people watching it. But I don't know, Jason, I think you're right. Maybe three more seasons, even four, if they said we're going to go to season 12 and that'll be that. But mm -hmm. I don't think I see that happening, to be honest. I mean, one thing I consider personally is I have so much fun podcasting about this show and just the thought of it ending is like oh my god what's it gonna do right. well, that was the thing we'll that, yeah well else. that was the uh that was the the basis <laughs> for my uh hoping that you would show me down is that you know i i as a, uh, from a personal level i'd like to see the show go on forever because i enjoyed right. doing this so much for this show that it would be great if it if it went on forever but as a uh, as a fan of this show and as, as a fan of other shows that have done it uh, i would like to see you know an announcement of a definite end date and then plan accordingly god podcasts are great aren't they <laughs> so they really are. great yeah <laughs> I sure hope people can make a living at doing it them someday. <laughs> someday. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll move into my number one here and it is Negan. I just want to talk about Negan a little bit more um, because I have never really fully bought into Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. And the weird thing is when I was, thinking about this, uh, you know, making this list here, I realized that when I think about Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the, the person or the actor, I think, man, he seems perfect to play Negan. He'd be really, really good at that character. Even, even to this day, like right this moment, I think, man, Jeffrey Dean Morgan would make a great Negan. But then for some reason on the show, he just doesn't a hundred percent totally work for me. And there's a few reasons for that, I think. And one of the reasons is it was um, it hit me when 
Jason, was it in London at Walker Stalker Con where a kid came up on stage and asked and asked uh, asked Jeffrey D. Morgan to teach him how to be Negan, or was that somewhere else? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, uh, it was one of those. I don't know. The kid goes Lean up. Back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The kid, little kid, cosplaying as Negan, super cute, made, really adorable, goes up, and then Negan kind of positions the bat over his shoulder, and then he pushes his hips like way forward. And then the kid kind of straightens up and then and Jeffrey D. Morgan pushes his hips way forward again. And he kept doing it. And it sort of illustrated the problem for me. Like uh-huh. every every single thing about Negan is over the top. Every sentence he delivers, every physical gesture, all of his traits, like his physical traits are just overblown. And uh-huh. I feel like he needs a little more subtlety to the character. And um, he's like a cartoon. He's way too cartoony. That's right. And would it, would it have helped if you had if you had some backstory on him? If you knew a little bit more? If you saw who he was as a person? I, I, I'm not sure. It it might like if if this is just his personality, and it's amplified in a in a position of power, then maybe. But it's hard for me to to picture that. Right. I just see I just see him doing this on screen and i'm like oh come on more of this we we've, we've seen this episode after episode i want something a little bit different uh from this guy who's supposed to be the most evil villain the most terrible villain in the walking dead universe that we've seen so far and so i've just never really bought into jeffrey dean morgan as negan even though i feel like it should work really well for some reason it it doesn't so i hope that he can tone it down a little bit in season eight um, and that I'll, I'll be able to get on board. But for, for me, Negan has never really worked as well. And I think back to um, uh, what's his name as, as the governor. And that was a more restrained performance. He was, he wasn't like, he was more sort of subtly nasty and evil. And I, and I think that worked a lot better for me. David Morrissey, David Morrissey. Yeah. You could get a sense of his tragedy. And, and it also helped that we that we met his daughter, and you understood like this guy's broken. Yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, Just coming back to your question about the backstory, like there was a little bit more of that with the governor, and it 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 informed his character yes. a bit more. Yeah. With with Negan, I hope to God we that we that. don't get any backstory on Negan. I, I we've we've talked about this briefly in the, in our podcast. Uh, that uh, I think of uh, Negan as the Joker. The Joker doesn't have a backstory, uh, and right. I don't think uh, Negan should have a backstory. I think any backstory to Negan would weaken his character, personally. I don't know. You could be right, but I think Karen might be right, too, in that it might just inform why he's like this a little bit. If I can see that side of it. Like, you, when you think about the great villains like uh, Terminator or like you said, Joker or even Darth Vader, Darth Vader got a backstory, but I don't really think that did anything to help his character. Darth Vader was the most interesting character when he was in star Wars and empire strikes back and was just this big evil black menacing presence, you know, and then learning that he used to be a little kid that flew around. Did it help? (laughs) No, it hurt. It hurt so much, Jason. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But see, I I think, I mean, I think he does come off sticky. And um, 
I really think a lot of the time Negan, he's like a bully, you know, he's a bully and he wants to get under your skin and, and make you feel shame and humiliation. And I think for the most part, this show has done a really good job with that. But, um, he, yeah, it, I wish there were more moments like when, uh, he was with Carl and Carl started crying and he felt bad about it. I actually believe that he did feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. And it just needs some moments where that mask comes down a little bit and we see more depth in his character. You know, maybe if he had a confidant that he felt more vulnerable with or something like that. I don't know. I have a theory about that, you know. <laughs> What's well, that? The, the moments of uh, where you see his guard come down versus the moments where he is the uh, the epitome of an evil bastard. Mm-hmm. It's the bat. The bat is a sentient evil being <laughs> that is infecting Negan. When he doesn't have the bat, he becomes more human. When he My has precious. the bat in when he has the bat in his hand, uh, there's nothing you can do. The bat wants blood. He talks about the bat in the third person uh, as uh, something that wants to drink blood. Uh, maybe he's right. Maybe it's a it's a it's a sentient evil bat. At the very least, the bat gives him this weird confidence that that brings out this you know, character, uh, that we see so much. I I find myself though in, in the scenes where it's a little shorter, like we, I mean, where we don't see as much Negan or the episodes, I mean, where we don't see as much, I can take him a little bit better. And, you know, in small doses, it's okay when he's on screen Mm -hmm. for, for minutes or long periods. Um, you know, with the, the Spencer stuff, like that's when it starts to get to me. I'm like, really? Come on, let's, Let's do something different. So I just hope they, they change it up a little bit for season eight. And I have a feeling they might. So that's good. What's up with the red uh, scarf? <laughs> it's weird, it's right? It's in the comic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the wardrobe is pretty good. I mean, the wardrobe that Negan wears is just like the comic. So I'll I'll give them that at least. But it could be one of those things where they made it close to the comic because Gimple loves the comic and it just seems weird on the screen. Like the first time we met Abraham and Rosita, right? It looked ridiculous. <laughs> it uh, did. Yeah. But if, if you don't have the comic influencing your view of that, it seems out of place, right? Karen, the red sash. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, the red cravat, I think is <laughs> the word for it. One last question. Do you guys think he's, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is being directed to be like this. Like they told him, this is how we want you to play the character. Or do you think it's all him? Combination. Scott Gipple. Blame Scott Gipple. Gimple. It's Gimple's fault. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a feeling it's a combination. Like, like you said, Jason, yeah. like Gimple probably is like, this guy's over the top, just like wacky. And then Jeffrey Dean Morgan started doing his thing and they all loved it. But I think they a bunch yeah. of people got into a room and discussed what uh, Negan should be like. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan tried a bunch of things, and they all went, "Yeah, that one right there." <laughs> and, then, uh, and then that's that's how they got. They just got to stuck it. with it. Yeah, it's right. weird. You know, the weird thing about this show, Greg Nicotero, like he's so into gore, and I love Greg. You know, he's the best guy ever. But the way that, like, we've talked about how it was so uh, the violence with. Uh, Glenn getting his head bashed in was so horrific and I thought it went on too long even I thought that but if you know Greg you know oh yeah the gorier you can make something look is actually showing 
uh, love to Stephen Yun. Like, this is how I'm going to give you the best uh, send off because I love you so much. You know, you could feel Greg uh, thinking that. But it's a it's a twisted kind of a thing because we all cared about Glenn and seeing that is not something we necessarily want to see. And I kind of feel like there's a similar dynamic at, in play with Negan where they just love Negan so much in the comic that they want to, he's so over the top and crazy and we're going to put him on screen and, and make him really cruel and, and funny and everybody's going to love it. And it just didn't totally translate the, the way on screen as it was in the comic. It was more like, hey, this guy's an asshole. Why do I have to see him so much? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it, it and it and at least worked, for some people. Yeah, it for me it worked a little bit better right in the season finale there once the fight broke out and he had to like take cover and cower a little yeah. bit. He still had his like you know, oh my god, the widow's alive and she's opening fire or whatever the hell he said, you know. But uh, a tiger. Yeah, god, a goddamn tiger. <laughs> he still had those lines, but at least I saw him on his heels a bit, and that yeah was a little bit better. So true. Yeah. All right. And I needed to see that. We did for sure. That is going to do it um, for the lists. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Another uh, another fun time podcasting with you guys as we do every year. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah. Thank you guys. Super fun. Super fun. Uh, Jason, Jason, you had some. Uh, sorry, Chris, to cut you off. Oh, I that's think Jason right. had a, a couple of things that he wanted to bring up. <laughs> right, right, right. At the end. Just really quick. So, I, I uh, Negan and early on in the first episode deciding who to kill said eeny meeny miny mo catch a tiger by its toe oh. and then we got a tiger later i thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> i wonder if they're going to catch the tiger by its toe <laughs> right and then uh one of our listeners brought this up terrence shelton that enid's trying to distract that one savior from finding daryl and maggie in the pantry said I have fresh veggies. And he said, no, they're vegetables. Use the whole word. We have time. And I wondered, or the Terrence actually wondered later if that was a clue that this guy had been dealing with these annoying scavengers yeah. and their weird language. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Know, that was like Maybe. a clue that they were uh, working together. Yep. So it was all in front of us the whole time and nobody knew it. <laughs> right, Not the possibly. whole time. Or it was a secret code that he was trying to pass to Enid without anybody else knowing. <laughs> Could go there either way. Winking going right? <laughs> well, I'm one of the people that was completely surprised by the double cross of, with the scavengers. Yeah, so I definitely didn't pick up on that if it was a hint. <laughs> Is that it, Jason? That's it. All right. Cool. All right. So now I think we're officially done. So thank you guys so much for, for coming thank on. You. Listeners, if you haven't already, if you've listened to this first, make sure you go and listen to the other half of this on the Walking Dead cast. Of course, you can find them on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or visit walkingdeadcast.com. Um, it's uh, just as fun on the other half, so uh, make sure you go and do that. Uh, we are going to take a quick little break. We'll be coming back right now in a second with some Walking Dead news. Stay with us. It don't matter anyhow And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, babe If you don't know by now When yours to crows at the break of dawn Look out your window and I'll be gone 
You're the reason I'm traveling on. Don't think twice, it's all right. It ain't no use in turning on your light, babe. All right, welcome back to the program, everyone. That was super fun, eh, Jason? It's always always fun. Always a good time recording with those guys. So uh hope everybody enjoyed that. We are going to round things out here right now with uh, a reminder of who we're watching or what we're watching for our Jeffrey Dean Morgan actor spotlight. But first, get a little bit caught up on The Walking Dead news. Awesome. The Walking Dead news. All right. So the first item in the news, Jason, no writer's strike. No writer's strike. That makes me happy. Were you aware of that before I just said it right now? Yeah, yeah. We talked uh, that there was no writer's strike. No, because I am uh, on a media blackout, apparently, because uh, I've been off this week and therefore not watching TV or looking at the news or uh, any internet or anything. So you 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 took vacation from work and you're not looking at the internet. So that's not really different because you don't do that anyway. Well, no, I, you know, I generally get the news. I talk to people and people tell me stuff every once in a while and I, you know, check things out. But no, I was not aware that there was no writer strike. And so I'm happy to hear that because uh, we had talked about that and we had hoped that the writer strike would shut down production. But now it doesn't have to come to that, which is really, 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 really good. Wait, we hoped that it would shut down production? We hoped that it would not shut down production. Well, I kind of wanted it to shut down production because I don't want to have any of the, anybody crossing over picket lines oh, or, uh, you know, trying to have an episode out without any writers right. involved, you're which saying, is difficult to do. Sure. You're saying that if there has to be a strike, shut it down. Don't shut try the to whole do thing it down. without yeah. them. Okay. I got Let's it. Let's just well, wait till the strike's over. Not wait, but, you know, resolve the strike in uh, a manner that is, uh, you know, good for everybody. That'd be the best, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's be. happy because nobody's happy about a strike. No, I can't exactly. imagine anybody being happy about a strike, but well, I think everybody'd be happy about a strike being over. Well, in any case, there is not going to be any strike. Apparently, they've come to a three-year deal, the uh, Writers Guild and the uh, TV producers, and I don't think there's any details out there on the contents of this deal, but like we said, The Walking Dead will not be affected. And uh, we can do this all over again in three years. Super. (laughs) (laughs) So that means, of course, that season eight is in production. And TV Line has reported that there's a couple of new characters. And I think we uh, may have talked about this before, but TV Line had this to say. Ahead of season eight's Saviors slash Scavengers versus Alexandria slash Hilltop slash Kingdom War... (laughs) AMC's Monster Smash is creating or is casting two new recurring good guys. Dylan, a sexy blue collar 20 something whose survival <laughs> skills include sarcasm. <laughs> oh, sarcasm. That'll get you far. Yeah. Likely. And Abood, an innately likable Muslim American whose nerves are, let's say, jangled because he's flown solo for too long in Zombieland. Of the pair, the former is likelier to survive the looming conflict. Uh, not only does Dylan sound like a less jerky Spencer, but the casting notice for the roles hints that the actor chosen might get picked up for subsequent seasons. Hmm. So there you go. Two new characters, uh, Dylan with sarcasm and Abood who's uh, jittery because, or jangled, they say, because he's been solo for too long. 
So do you, do you really think sarcasm is a survival skill? Mm. I think it's a quick way to have people with no restrictions or restraints or laws uh, put a bullet through your skull. Yeah, probably. If If you're a bit of a sarcastic dick and someone doesn't like that, there's no reason that they won't just pop you. Uh, Unless you have a crew of sarcastic dicks backing you up so that, uh, you know, anytime you want to be a sarcastic dick, everybody's like, well, I guess I got to take it because, you know, he's got 40 guys there with shotguns. <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I mean, it's certainly not going to work against the zombies. I don't think they'll respond to sarcasm very well. So, no. I, Generally. I wouldn't go, wouldn't go that far. Well, come on. Generally, I don't think it'll be a pretty good, a very good survival skill, but. Uh, Z- zombies are getting softer and softer as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, they might, uh, they might respond to sarcasm and insults because, you know, their heads are so soft. It's like, oh no, that, that was cutting. I, you know, <laughs> it's true. And, you know, my lip is falling off. That's, that's true. So. <laughs> you hurt my feelings, man. Stick, <laughs> sticks and stones, my... <laughs> but words, they can hurt too. <laughs> they can, Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, do you remember back, what was it, the beginning of um, season six? We had a couple of new characters come on, one played by a notable actor, whose name I can't remember right now, but he didn't even survive the first episode. So uh, this could be another case of that, where one of these guys survives to the future and one does not, or maybe they both don't. I, I have no idea. Yeah. So. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Uh Here's a rather serious story uh, for the week, and that is that Josh McDermott has decided to quit social media after receiving death threats from fans. Now, quit permanently or just take a break, I am not 100% sure, but the fact that he felt he had to leave the internet for a while due to death threats, that's so uncool. That's just a high high level of dickheadery. Like, come on, he's just, he's a good actor, playing a fun part. It just happens to be, uh, you know, going from the light side to the dark side. I think it's an interesting move plot-wise, and I think it's a great character, and Josh McDermott is doing a great job. So, you know, fuck off. Leave him alone. It's kind of how I feel. I mean, there's no reason ever to threaten to kill somebody or threaten death, even if you're trying to be funny. So not, not cool at all, but Josh decided to delete his Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. And he, he released a short video that's in which he said this, don't send me death threats. I'm just sick of it. You can hate Eugene. I don't care. You can think whatever you want, but when you start saying you hope I die, I don't know if you're talking about Josh or Eugene. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So people just do better. Don't, don't send things like that to people. No one deserves that. And uh, you may not like Eugene. You may not even like Josh. Whatever. He doesn't deserve that. So yeah, I know he had a lot of interaction with people on Twitter and social media. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a good way for fans who genuinely were fans to connect with him. So hopefully he comes back someday. Yeah. And uh, I'm just saying, don't be dicks, people. <laughs> hopefully it's just uh, some unthinking group of dickheads that just aren't considering that they're saying things on the internet and that they have consequences and that they affect other people. Get your heads out of your asses, you jerks. I don't think it's anybody with necessarily actual malicious intent. I just think it's uh, a bunch of jerks on the internet being jerks. And And I don't think it's any of our listeners either. 
Oh God, you know, no! They're they're we'll the greatest people in the world, and if if you are doing that, then uh, please stop because it's not cool. All uh, right, just one more item in the news, and uh, Stephen Ogg, you've heard of yeah, him? I have. <laughs> he was recently talking to ScreenRant.com, I guess, and he was talking about the way he wants Simon, his character, to die. Ah, uh, I have. Officially, I'm now disattending this conversation. <laughs> well, just listen to what he had to say. He goes, no, no, that's not the part of disattending. I, I just, I can't, I can't do it. Well, I'm going to read, go ahead. I'm going to read this anyways. I'm going to sit over here and shake. Stephen Ogg said the best way for Simon to go out, probably drinking and stumbling out and getting hit by a car or something like that. Something random. Like he wasn't killed by a zombie. He wasn't killed by anyone. He was just being dumb. So how do you feel about that? Would would that be an acceptable way for Steven to go out? Or do you want him to be going out either A, as a hero, like in some big, you know, redeeming moment for the character, or in some big blaze of glory, regardless of what he's doing? Well, I can't imagine a scenario where Simon would be killed off and I'd be okay with it. And so if he is drinking and cavorting and walks out into the street and gets hit by a car, a random car, just somebody driving down the road. Maybe Heath, maybe Heath is coming back and hits him because <laughs> he's drunk nowhere. in the middle of the road. You know, that's one thing, but that's uh, that's that whole Days Ex Machina thing where uh, it's just something random that happens. And I'm not, I've never really been a fan of that kind of thing. So let's just take that off the table. Being a hero, he can't be a hero. He's an anti-hero. He's a big asshole and- uh, you know, he's got to be, you know, Gregory, maybe Gregory could take him out. That could be mildly acceptable, ex- except that I would hate Gregory even more, but at least Gregory would have some kind of redeeming moment. Uh, I don't think, yeah, I can't imagine a scenario that would make me happy. At least if Gregory killed him, there'd be a certain amount of irony there because he had such control over Gregory for so long. Yeah. And then Gregory turns around and, and Gregory wasn't even able to kill one single zombie. He's never done it before, but then he turns around and takes out Simon, his oppressor. Yeah. So that, I think that's the only scenario where I might possibly be not mortally wounded by uh, <laughs> Simon being killed off the show. That's the only way. Jeez. If Simon is killed... Apparently you are too. We don't want that to happen. <laughs> no, we Jesus. don't. Stephen Hogg, we hope you last forever. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to make it a personal goal of mine that the next Walker Stalker I go to, that he is there. I'm, I want to meet him. Like, I really want to meet him. Yeah. If, if he's there, I'll, I'll go too. Well, I was in the same room as him a couple of times in Atlanta. I was backstage right after his panel. He came out. But sometimes they're whisked away really quickly, the celebrities, right? So um, I didn't really get a chance to say hi, shake his hand, tell him how great I think he is. Yeah. Um, but next time, next time for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That's the walking dead news. There isn't a ton and we, we blew right through it. So our next podcast is going to be in a couple of weeks from now, uh, on or around, what did we say? May 15th. Is that a Monday? That's a Monday. Yep. So I think May 15th, um, geez, that's less than two weeks from now. Oh like a week anyways um we are that's when we're going to be doing our jeffrey dean morgan actor spotlight and just in case anyone needs a reminder here is what we will be watching or are in the middle of watching for uh from his back catalog to talk about two episodes of tv one is the show sliders season two episode five it was called el cid that's from 1996 
And also, season one, episode one, the premiere of a show called Magic City, and it was called The Year of the Finn. That's 2012. Huh. Now we've got movies. <laughs> it's a, that makes it sound like this is the first time you're hearing of this. <laughs> it is not, no. <laughs> All right. I know it just it makes me think, holy shit, it's a week and three days away. I better get on this uh, watching stuff. Yeah, I, I hear you. I know what you mean. But I've got two, like, two hour, two and a half hour flights in the next five days. So yeah. I can do a little bit of the watching there. I got nothing. I got to, I got to drive for an hour, uh, next Tuesday, but you know, I'm not supposed to watch movies while I'm driving. That's what the police said. Yeah. Please don't do that. Uh, you're going to have to take next week off too. So you can just watch TV. Yeah. Like I have been able to watch TV this week that I took off. <laughs> well, you also have four movies to watch Jason and they are <laughs> one, the possession, uh, from 2012, it's a horror movie. The really long Watchmen director's cut from 2009. So that's going to take some time. The Accidental Husband, a romantic comedy from 2008. And of course, Undercover Heat from 1995. The soft porn film that Mr. JDM did right. in uh, the mid 90s. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So lack of sleep is the way to go. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll get her done. Yep. Come on. I drink lots of coffee, watch them between 2 and 3.30 in the morning. Perfect. Just get up with your son, put him on your lap, and watch Undercover Heat. There you go. He might be into Soft it. Softcore porn. That's what uh, any nine-month-old needs. Totally. Totally. All right. So we'll be recording that in a little while, in a, a week and a half. Um, if you want to watch along, play along, send in comments about any of these, I uh, really think you should. That would be fantastic. And it would make my night so we can get some of your feedback on that podcast as well. And after that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we're going to do. Maybe another show. And then we're getting into, um, fear the walking dead. So there's not a lot of time until that comes back in, uh, June. I think it's June. If it's wow. July, then we got lots of time, but I'm pretty sure it's June, beginning of June. It'd probably and, be the end of May by my luck. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if you would like to contact us, you can uh, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com, click on Send Voicemail to record a voice message for us. You can also send email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingDead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead. Thanks again to Jason and Karen from The Walking Dead cast. They are super cool and it's always very fun to record with them. And we only really do it, well, you and I only do it on About the Walking Dead once a year. Of course, I record with Jason about Ash versus Evil Dead while that's on. That makes the fall really busy for us, but it's also super fun to do that as well. Yeah. Um, check out the other half of this wrap-up crossover on their show at walkingdeadcast.com. Or, of course, search for them on iTunes. That works as well. Or anywhere you get your podcasts, most likely. But thanks for those to those guys for coming on, and thanks for uh, them having us on their show as well. Make sure you check that out. All right, uh, we will uh, be back in a week and a half with our JDM Actors Spotlight. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. I didn't do it. Thanks for listening. Lord Captain Professor Awesome. Very nice. That's that's only because I use that because I, I call Jasper Captain Awesome Baby. <laughs>